Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. All right. All right. Um, we are continuing our series uh, called What Do We Talk About? When we talk about, we started with God. Last week, we, uh, Dietrich talked about the Holy Spirit. And today, I'm going to put this down a little bit. Today, we're talking about Jesus. I should go on the record and say, I am a huge fan of the story of Jesus. All right. I believe in historical Jesus, I uh, believe in death and resurrection of Jesus, um, but it's still, there's a story, and I've given my life to this story, um, and stories really matter, like stories shape reality, and we have stories collectively that we all believe, right, like money, we all believe a dollar's worth a hundred pennies, right, and you can walk in the store and say, well, I believe a different story, and I think this dollar should give me 15 ice cream cones, and they would not give you 15 ice cream cones, right? We believe a story that this diamond, this rock we've chosen, is worth more than like the rock behind my house. And we collectively, around the world, say, wow, that rock is worth a lot of money. But it's still a story that we have to make true. One story I'm a big fan of is uh, traffic, that we have like a solid line. We all agree that the story is, you don't cross that line if it's solid. But if it's dotted, hey, go at it. Have a lot of fun, right? You can cross it anytime you want. And I like that story because I have a six-year-old that's going to be driving very soon, right? So <laughs> suddenly I'm a big fan of the laws, right? But still is a collective story that we all agree is true. The one that's weird is like boundaries, right? We say, well, this river now becomes uh, Wisconsin. But if you're on this side, it's Minnesota. And somewhere at some point, someone collectively said, yes, we all agree. This land is now Minnesota, and over there, it's Wisconsin, and really, it's all the same land, but we have collectively, you see where I'm going with this? We still believe in this story. And the same is true with Jesus, right? We have a story about Jesus. We have our own interpretation. We have our experience. When we he hear the word Jesus, you might think of like, like big, powerful, like I used to have a t-shirt. Did anyone else have a t-shirt? Um, it said Lord's Gym. And it's like Jesus had the cross on his back, and he was like, like doing a push-up. But really, he was like on the cross dying. Anyone else? Am I alone? I, I mean, I mean it like I want someone to be with me in this space, right? Um, you might see Jesus as this kind person. You might see Jesus as a white man. You might see Jesus uh, as a, a, a black person. You might see Jesus as this mystical kind of floating through. Like the story of Jesus and, uh, really means something, but we all have our own story. Because it's really important. Like, when, I would, when I'm talking about Jesus and the story of Jesus, are we talking about the story in the book of John? That's my favorite, right? John was written, uh, like, uh, AD 90, right? R right around there. That's a long time. And it's a very different story than if you read the book of Matthew, right? They're very different stories, telling two different stories of the same Jesus but through different lens. Uh, if you, the story of Jesus through Martin Luther and the Reformation. The story of Jesus through uh, Martin, 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 Martin Luther King Jr., right? He tells a story. Karl Marx tells a story. 
about Jesus, right? Marxism, like he had the story of Jesus. Steve's story of Jesus, right, is going to have full of Steve-ness in it, right? We all have this story that we're telling, and it's a story that we believe to be true. And it's very, very important. It's very good. But for some people to say, all right, what shaped that story? Like, why is it that you think about Jesus in this way? For me, when I was thinking about it, a lot of how I see Jesus and came to know Jesus was uh, through going to church with my mom uh, as a kid and mostly going as a student uh, as a, in uh, cross-current student ministries, current, 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 right? <laughs> um, it shaped a lot of how I saw Jesus. And when I process with people or even throw it out there of like, well, how did you come to that and what have you learned? Some people are very threatened at investigating how they came into knowledge of Jesus, how they came into that story, because it implies, right, that maybe there's more to the story. People can be very threatened, the idea of, like, evolving a belief. Um, I had uh, someone ask me a couple years ago when um, I was with our church and talking about how we are an affirming and inclusive to the queer community and how I see that reflected in the Bible. And they said, well, Chris, what else is going to change? And it, honestly, it didn't, it, it didn't think about that until this week. And I'm like, oh, they were saying that as a threat. What else is going to change? If you change any other belief, that is bad. Why do we believe that's bad? We can do that with science, right? We learn more and we can change what we think about some scientific thing. We can do that with family systems. We go to therapy and we're like, oh, this is why I yell at my kids to get the shoes on because my dad did that. He's right there, right? We, <laughs> right? we do this with, in education. We do this professionally in our jobs. We do this with our body. You should be evolving with your body because newsflash to those who are in your 30s, it changes, right? <laughs> you like that one? Thanks, Heather. <laughs> right? Your body is going to change, and that could be a threat. It does not be a threat if you're willing to do the stuff so you can be kind to your body. When it comes to spirituality, for a lot of people, it's like, nope, don't talk about that. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, but how we see God, how we come into this relationship with Jesus, this story of Jesus, is going to change because you are changing. So I'm going to share a couple of things that, and I, this is my preface, the things I'm going to share about how I engage with Jesus or how the story informed, when I'm talking about Jesus, this is what I'm talking about, is not limited to what I'm talking about here. All right? I could talk about Jesus for big fan of Jesus. I could talk about Jesus for a very long time. So if I don't hit on one of the things that you're like, well, that's really important to me, I love that's really important to you, and it's probably more than likely really important to me as well. So if you'd like to process, or you have questions, or you want to find out more about how I think about God or what I think about Jesus, I would love to talk after service or we could go and grab some coffee. So where I start is this. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right. Uh, Who is John quoting in John 3.16? Any guess? It's not Jesus. (laughs) You're like, ah. It was a, it was a, I was baiting you into say Jesus. We all know. They're like, he's going to say Jesus, and then he's going to say, no, you're wrong. I'm smart. So um, uh, <laughs> it's not Isaiah. It's John. John is t- talking himself. And what he's doing, he's summarizing right before that. There's this guy, Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God, and there's this, um, this way of being human. There's this life full of freedom. And the guy says, whoa, Jesus. This is my paraphrase, right? <laughs> he's not like some... 80s surfer dude, well, Jesus, I want that kingdom. And Jesus, th- Jesus says, well, you have to be born again. And the guy has like this awkward look. He's like, well, uh, bad news, Jesus, I'm a grown man, right? 
Uh, how is that going to happen? And then Jesus goes into this, um, you, sh- you should read it, John 3, this beautiful, um, uh, not neurotical, um, nuanced is the word I was like, right? This nuanced about what rebirth looks like through um, air, through water, and fire. It is, it's, it's bonkers. Then John summarizes all that up by saying, for God so loved the world. And this is where I start about Jesus, is for God so loved the world. Full pause. Because it seems obvious, or at least it is to me, but my interactions with people is when they talk about Jesus, they don't start with love. They have this idea of like, I'm a wretched, I'm a wretched sinner, and thank God that there's, and I, and I don't disagree with this, right? But I'm a, wretched, I'm a wretched sinner, and thank God the, the blood of the lamb is here. They start of this place of Jesus was this walking atonement theory, right? He was, he was this walking sacrifice, just hurry up and die already. Some people see Jesus of, um, of this patriarchal, like, strong man, Jesus, strong man, ugh, right? And they use the person of Jesus to defend the patriarchy, the, the defend of, like, oh, I must defend my family, right? Like, Jesus says one time, one time, he says, hey, bring your swords, when he's telling his disciples. And then people say, oh, see, Jesus wants me to take my gun and show it to everybody, right? It's like, well, funny how we can inform the story of Jesus to look like us, right, instead of trying to look more like the Christ. Anyways, for me, if it doesn't lead in love, then what are we giving our lives to, right? Because we don't need more dominion over people's bodies. We don't need more power and control. What's going to transform this world is going to be this deep, sacred, divine love. And what does love do? For God to love the world that it gave. Love demands that we do something. Love is not just this theory, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start crying. We, our son, for the um, first time, what do we call it? He, did, he had his first formal. Oh, I'm going to start crying. And I, I took the dog, I took my dog on a walk and, and Jay Cook, and I'm walking, and all of a sudden I just saw Cole as a little baby. Ugh, shut it down, right? And I just, I just had this, all these, like, flooding memories of, oh, I love my son, not just because he exists, right? It's like I couldn't, if I just never knew my son, I may, I'd love him in theory. It's all the times that I got to play baseball with him. It's all the times that we'd play football, and if he dropped it, I'd have say, well, the coach is up there. He's going to yell at you, and he'd giggle laughing about that. Like, love, <clears throat> love demands that we are present with something. Love demands that we give the best of ourselves, And that's when love is great, isn't it? When it costs you something, that's, when, that's when, why we write songs. That's why you send your kid to a formal and cry, right? And so often people, it's like chapter 5, when they talk about Jesus, they're not talking about love. It's in the footnotes. To me, it deeply matters. And maybe it's the most obvious thing, but without saying, it's like when we talk about God, I said we talk about good and beautiful and how people, when they think about God, they don't think about good and beautiful. With Jesus, for me, it's that Jesus... Um, embodies that divine love. And what did Jesus do? Jesus gave. Not just of his life. Jesus was willing to give himself over and over and over and over again. So then where that leads us to, that's number one, is uh, did anyone grow up hearing, and I did not hear my parents. I was joking before, right? But did anyone hear people saying Jesus H. Christ? And you, you kind of thought like, Jesus, what's Jesus' middle name? <laughs> what's Henry? Jesus Henry Christ, right? And it's, it's, why Christ? Why do we throw that in there? Is that Jesus' last name? Right? Jesus, hey, Mr. Christ, how you doing? All right? And it, it's, it's embarrassing, I'm saying this for myself, of how long before I realize what the Christ means. Right? Because I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is good. Jesus is my friend. Right? I'm a big fan of Jesus. But then, then thinking about what does the Christ really mean? And I'm going to be reading out of uh, Ephesians here. And Paul, 
Paul talks very little, the New Testament, his letters, he talks very little about historical Jesus. He talks very little, like day to day, what did Jesus do and what did Jesus say? Paul spends a lot of time on the Christology, right? The symbolism and the majesty and the nuance and the wonder of the Christ. And I love it, right? And uh, we, these verses I'm using, you could find in a bunch of other places as well. But here's where I want to talk about the Christ. Let me pull this up here. This is Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 or 5, and then I added 10. I did not, like, skip 6, 7, 8, 9 because it contradicts what I'm reading. It just, for the sake of time, and it wraps it up really nice. Here's verse 3. Praise be, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was blessed who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his, in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and will. Verse 10. And to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. There's in Christ, there's with Christ, and there's under Christ. And the whole point, what Paul's trying to say is before time even began, this good God, through the Christ, wrapped up everyone. He predestined us to belong. He predestined us to be a part of this good and beautiful world and life. It wraps up all things in itself, in Christ, with Christ, and under Christ. The Christ has always been. The Christ is, Richard Rohr wrote a book that is wonderful called um, The Universal Christ, right? The Christ is the infinite. It is the... Um, it is the mystic, it is the, the, the wide, it is the mysterious, it is wonderful, and it's always been and always will be. And then we have Jesus, right, who's the blood and the bone, the fall down, scratch, and scuff up his knee, who would cry, who would grieve, who would celebrate. It is the physical representation, it is the physical um, body of where the mystic and the nuanced and the eternal comes smashing up with the blood and the teeth and the grit, Right? It is, the, it is the representation of who we see God to be and who the Christ is is represented in this one person. And why does it matter? Because we can get so fixated on one or the other, right? For me, a lot of my um, upbringing was on the person of Jesus, and that is very, very important, right? It's very important. But I didn't hear a lot about the, the Christology and the eternal and the, the, the radical inclusiveness of what it means for the Christ to wrap up all things in and through and under him. So there's this guy in the 4th century. I forget his name. It's St. Athanasius. Nailed it, right? 4th century. Richard Rohr calls him the father of orthodoxy, and this is what he says. God was consistent in working through one man to reveal himself everywhere, as well as through the other parts of his creation, so that nothing was left devoid of his divinity and his self-knowledge, so that the whole universe was filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters fill the sea. And I love that, that God chose one person, Jesus, to reveal the full knowledge, the full divinity. So when we think about what's God really like, we can go back and we look at the person of Jesus. What would the Christ want me to do? We can go back and read the stories of Jesus. Through the through the physical body of Jesus, is the revelation of who this good and beautiful God is. And for me, that's, that is drastically important. So God moves in love, and through the person of Jesus, we see this Christ that has already brought all things to himself, right? Which leads me to this, John 14. This one verse, when I'm talking about Jesus, 
um, this verse comes up with people who are um, going through a word called deconstruction or disorder, people who are reevaluating re what it means to be Christian or what it means to be sacred. And the things that they held on to, they're kind of putting down and questioning. And this verse comes up all the time. Because this verse has brought violence. This, <laughs> this, this verse has brought, what's the word, toxicity? Is that, can I say, is that a word? I don't know if that's a word, right? It's brought <laughs> toxicity, and it's an I am statement. In John 14, uh, throughout the book of John, Jesus has these I am statements, and they are rich and beautiful and loaded with so, so much um, uh, content, right? Because Jesus is pretty much saying, the Christ is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to have access to this God, you want to know who God is, essentially you have to go through me. That's John 14. That is a beautiful statement. But what has happened is people have used that statement, have used that verse, and they have interpreted it of Jesus being like a, like a, um, like a bouncer in front of a club, right? As saying, I am the way, and you, if you want to get to God, you got to go through me, I dare you, right? And people have used this to indigenous cultures who have taken their kids, ripped them out of their homes, and brought them somewhere else and said, oh, we, we're doing this out of love, we're doing this because we want you to get to heaven. We want you to get to the Father. And what do you have to do? You have to come see our Jesus. And you have to say his name. It's like all of a sudden, Jesus is like Beyonce. Say my name, say my name. Right? <laughs> I, Sarah, I wrote that one down just for you. I thought, I'm like, that's funny. That's funny. Um, I was waiting on that joke. I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> um, bouncer Jesus, all right? Of, uh, if, and again, if we limited that verse just to that, that's where the violence could come in. Missionaries would go to other countries and say, oh, we got great news for you. There's this heaven and there's this good God. And the only way to get through them is you have to come and see our Jesus. You have to worship the way we see Jesus. And if you don't, well, you're missing out and there would be even more violence. The amount of, I, used, I went to, um, anyone else gone to the play um, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames? Anyone else? A couple of you? Yeah, <laughs> Rebecca, yep, don't bring it up. So, um, um, it didn't work, right? It, and the whole play is, is meant, I believe, with the best intentions, right? I don't think they started this play and they're like, oh, we're going to do some damage to people's lives, right? But essentially, they would tell these stories of kids or people, and um, they'd be like, oh, I think I have some questions about Jesus. And then they get hit by a car in a play. And then if one kid who got loved Jesus the right way, they would, like, get brought up by angels would come out, and they'd be like, look at you, you're going to heaven. And then the lights would go off, and then the devil would come out, and there'd be fire, and there was uh, non-Christian music playing, and they had drums in it. <laughs> it made you scared. And they'd drink, I still remember, they drugged this person, kicking and screaming, like, into, into hell. And I heard so many messages of, if you were going to die tonight, you know, where would you, do you know where you'd spend eternity, right? And as a kid, I'd hear that, and I already said the sinner's prayer. I did all the, the right things, but they, the pastor still invoked, but what if you didn't get it right, right? Did anyone else ever feel that? What, what if you didn't say the right word? It implies that we, like, we could slide off the scale and then be somewhere else. Is that who Jesus is? Is that, thank you, <laughs> amen, let's go home, right, so is, is if, if the I am statement is meant as a threat, right, then everything else we see about Jesus isn't true, because then we miss the plot. If Jesus moves out of love, if this mystic that Jesus said, everything already is wrapped up in me, 
everything you need. The kingdom of God is already here. Then why would we need this gatekeeper? Right? We don't. That's not who Jesus is. Instead, and this is what like blew my mind, is what if Jesus is saying, I am the way. You want to know the way to life and life to the fullest? Do what I do. Jesus is pointing to the Christ. Who the Christ is, what does the Christ do? Loves. What does the Christ do? Gets low and plays with kids. What does the Christ do? Washes people's feet. What does the Christ do? Right? Feeds the hungry. If you go on after the I am statement in uh, chapter 14, Jesus says, um, if you see me, you see the Father. Right? And if you don't believe that, he goes, just look at the stuff I've done. He gives this big back door open saying, yeah, even if you don't get this, guys, that's fine. Just look at what I've done. Then he says, then I want you to go do the same thing. If you love me, follow my commands. Then he says, and if you do, you're going to do even greater things than me. Jesus doubles down, not on Beyonce Jesus, not on Doorman Jesus, but as this invitation to do the words and the works of Jesus. Because what did Jesus do, right? He's talking about, I mean, it's not hard to imagine that Jesus was talking about miracles. In the book of John, he does um, seven miracles, eight with the resurrection. We should throw that one in there too. And the, the miracles, right, and outside of just the book of John, what was the point of miracles? Like if, when he fed the 5,000 people, was he doing a party trick? He was like, hey, guys, watch this. <laughs> I, got all this I got five or whatever fish and loaves, like, brrr, boom, Jesus. Is that right? He did it to expose, to show people this is what we do. There is hungry people in our community, and we can do it. We have everything in Carlton County. If we wanted to, we have everything we need to end hunger, right? We could do it like that, but why don't we? Because people have EBT, is that what you call it? EBT cards, right? People who are on food assistance, we say, well, do you have a job? How much did you work? Do you really deserve, oh, you have an iPhone? Ugh, yeah, you can pay for your iPhone, but we have to pay for your pizza rolls. We judge people and we say, if you are, how poor are you? How bad off are you? And we'll, then we'll give you some money. That is a horrible way of viewing humanity. That is not what Jesus is. Jesus is exposing the system. Do you know there's hungry people here right now? When Jesus heals uh, people who are blind or people who are um, uh, paralyzed, why? Is he saying, oh, I felt sorry for you and I want you to be good? Does Jesus really say you're good when you can see? Implying that you're bad if you can't? If it is, then why didn't Jesus heal everyone? Right? That, 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 that's a monster God. It just says, I'm just choosing you because I want you to be good. Everyone else, well, should have tried harder. What Jesus is doing is, is exposing the way we view being human. You think this person is bad and now that they see is good? You've missed the plot. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are grieving. He's saying, this is where I live. This is where the kingdom of God resides. Not just those who you deem good. Not just the ones who you deem beautiful or sacred or holy. He says, I've been here the whole time because love does. And that's when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want truth and life? Do the works of Jesus. Then it transcends just this belief. It transcends, like, I, how, how do I say this? People have asked, well, do I have to say the salvation prayer in order to be saved, right? I don't, I don't use that language anymore. And I, what I found is for some people, it helps a ton. It helps a ton to declare and say those words, especially for people um, um, who are addicts, Right? want some clear, black, and white, rigid thing because it points and reminds them of, of I, can, I, I, can, I can do this and I have access to this. But do you have to? No. 
Jesus never says, um, have a personal relationship with me. Jesus says, never ask me into your heart. What does Jesus say? Keep my commands. So what I'm talking about when I talk about Jesus, I'm talking about God starting in a place of love. I'm talking about the Christ that has brought all things in and through and under itself. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Christ that moves in a place of love. Let's pray. So God, we, we love you. And I thank you for the story of Jesus. I thank you that you chose, <laughs> you chose to reveal this good and beautiful life as radically attainable and available to us in this breath, in this moment. And I pray for all of us as we think about the story of Jesus, and I pray for those, it's still hard. It's still filled with trauma or pain. I pray, God, you would come and you'd bring rest and truth and justice. I thank you for the mystery and the nuance and the infinite levels of knowing and loving you. And I pray, uh, like Richard Rohr says, God loves us by becoming us. God loves us by including us. God loves by never excluding. I pray that we would embody that prayer, that we will include and that we will love and we'll move towards those who are hurting and those who are grieving. And we love you. Amen. All right. Thank you for being in the space with me today or this morning. If you have any questions or you'd like to process um, or you'd like to pray, I'll be up here for a while and enjoy the rest of your weekend.